can use it for every for every purpose that you want. Yeah, sure. Great. Thank you. Beautiful. Okay, and Nicole, you're ready to go. Yep. Okay, so let me get my recorder going here, and we'll start. Okay, great. Can you hear us and see us? Okay. Yes. Yes, yeah. you're coming. Wonderful background there. I've got too much sun coming in today, but that's okay. I'm going to kill my camera <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> so Grant, okay. Nicole, just a, a question. Uh, when will this be going out? Is this going out live or is this going out recorded later, a later date? Just so that we can know how to talk about a few things because we're just launching a few things in the next few days. Oh, okay. Yeah, it'd probably be more than a few days. So, um, yeah. But Nicole will put hers up. You can put it up right away. Yeah, well, I can turn right around and post mine right after we're done talking, if you like. And the podcast, you know, the nothing you I, want me to edit out or you know not talk about. Um, yeah, well, yeah, okay. I'm not the great at ed, the greatest editor yet. I just let it no. go. But yeah, I can put it on my channel, and then Grant's other assistant, Desta. She's got tons of things going on, but hers usually follows. She'll post them to White House UFO within like a month or maybe five weeks after she gets them up. And, and the podcast will go up. I'll probably try to put it up in the next one or two days. Right. So there you go. Great. Okay. It's a trickle effect. You know, you sneak the news out, everybody whispers about it. And then it's like, boom, it's on Grant's channel. And then the world sees it. <laughs> awesome. Okay. We'll get going. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. This is Grant Cameron, and I'm joined by my assistant, Nicole Sackage, this morning. It's Saturday morning here in America. Good morning, Nicole. Good morning. You got, you got your coffee you're ready to go. I do. It's my and same coffee cup from last night. Still there you go. And you're, you're going until 3 o'clock in the morning on the radio, so you're, um, you're, you're, you're ready to talk. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're joined today by Michael Thornhill and his partner, Jamie. From Peru, I heard a couple of interviews that Jamie did, and I said, I've got to interview uh, this guy. Um, he works as a curandero and a channeler. Uh, his uh, partner, his wife is a medium, and they deal with ayahuasca. And I've, uh, I wrote a book on psilocybin, so I'm very interested in that with uh, healing of, of uh, people. Um, and we're going to get into that. We're going to get into uh, some channeling questions and maybe some channeling. And uh, so I want to welcome uh, Michael and Jamie. How are you doing this morning? Thanks so much. We're doing great. Yeah. Good morning. Good morning, Grant. Good morning, Nicole. Thanks so much for having us. Absolute pleasure. Beautiful. So give me, give people a little bit of background. You, you're, you've got a website, you've got, um, you do some retreats there. We're going to talk about some of the stuff that's upcoming in your, in your life stuff you're doing after COVID. And so give us a little background who, who you two are and, and what you do. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much. So we are married and co-founders of Casa Galactica. So Jamie and I pretty much do everything together in the <laughs> physical and non-physical realms, whether it be channeling or building retreats and bringing people in person to come and do healing work with us. So it's our absolute passion to help people activate their intuition, empower their healing, connect with plants and embody your truth. So we do that in a myriad of different ways, whether it be online channeling and intuitive readings or working with plant medicines, ayahuasca and various other plant medicines down here in Peru. So depending on when you're receiving this, when this is going out to you, you'll find our website at casagalactica.com and we're changing our website at the minute 
because we've moved from the jungle. We used to live in the Amazon rainforest in the city of Iquitos and had our retreat center out there. But as we're coming out in the world post-COVID, we have moved down to the Sacred Valley of Peru. So if you're checking this out on video, you can see that behind us here. And we're opening a new retreat center here for just four people. And we're doing our most intimate and empowering retreats with ayahuasca and channeling and other plant medicines. And yeah, we're super excited. And uh, yeah, anything you want to add? I think you covered it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. It, it just hit me. It's a window behind you. It's not a fake background. That's like mine. a real Peruvian mountain. <laughs> yes. That's so wonderful. Wow. Jump in, Grant. That was amazing. Yeah. So you, you have a retreat coming up right away. I think you probably booked already, though, eh? Well, we are launching our first retreat for this year in September. So we're going to be doing three retreats this year, and they are just going to be four people each because... We found the work that we do online with people. We love working with people in depth. We love working with people to help them heal from trauma and also to remember the truth of who they are, which is really a multidimensional, infinite being connected to all things. And how can you embody and activate that that passion in service to all in this lifetime? So we're super excited. We've never done retreats this small before, but we felt guided to do this. And, And what's really interesting we're going to be mixing the plant medicine work with channeling workshops. So we're going to be doing seven channeling workshops, which are going to be completely bespoke to that group of people, which means that when the four people come down, it's going to be a co-creation between us, our higher selves and the higher selves, of the participants to create completely bespoke content for each retreat with channeling with our own spirit team and galactic friends, and then doing one-on-one sessions, channeling sessions, healing work with people plus a myriad of different plants, ayahuasca being the main one where we do four ceremonies, but we also have a holistic healing program where we work with Andean and Amazonian plants to help clean the mind, body, spirit, and really clean those layers of trauma, the kind of static that's getting in the way from us already channeling our higher selves and all the galactic beings that are here to help us in this lifetime. Uh, Would you say that all sort of illness is trauma-based? I would say that some some illness is perhaps a choice that might be want to be experienced as a life lesson, which could also technically, I guess, be a karmic trauma that's playing out to to heal and move through that. But yes, a lot of illness does derive from unresolved emotional trauma, mental or spiritual trauma. So that's where we really look at working with people at the root cause of whatever that may be to help clean and transform that. So on your website, you would have uh, what people do, like for the people that want to come down there, uh, they fly into where and give me a little bit of a rundown as to what what actually takes place. How long is the retreat? Yes. So the retreats that we're offering now are 10 days. So we're doing 10 day retreats down here in a little town called Pisac or just outside the town of Pisac, which is in the sacred valley of Peru, which is in the Cusco region. So if you're coming from the States, you fly to Lima. And then you fly, take an internal flight to Cusco Airport, and we pick you up from there and you take you to our retreat center. And then you spend 10 days with us in the retreat. And of course, if you want to extend your stay and explore the Incan ruins and the sacred sites here, then we also help people plan that as well and extend and and turn that into a a more exploratory trip of the ancient history and wisdom here that that is littered around everywhere. It's just uh, amazing. You can, in the mountain behind us, if if anyone's watching the video, on top of that mountain, there is Incan ruins, Pisac archaeological ruins, 
and you see the stonework that is just <laughs> beyond human capability in it's our opinion. It's just absolutely stone cut with absolute precision. That's just like, you feel the energy up there. It's absolutely uh, mesmerizing. This is one of those temples where it's like, you can't put the piece of paper between the stones, correct? Mm. It looks correct. like they're almost fused. They're so well fit. Like, it's so amazing. It's been a dream of mine to go to Machu Picchu and do like the whole like 18 to 20 day Peruvian tour and oh it's on my bucket list so I'll be talking to you guys yeah I look forward to that yeah Nicole we'd love to have you I did have a question real quick before we jump into all of this since I am here in Illinois corn country this is you know mind-blowing to so many people when they hear about this you know hypnosis is still woo world here and mental health issues you know don't often come up in the midwest you know if they do it's when it's like an extreme problem so maybe what are some physical symptoms or some displayed um characteristics that people who need treatment show that they might not be aware of that you guys can help them with like i know grant asked about trauma-based illnesses but I don't think people really describe, um, understand that well, like how something from your childhood can still affect you as an adult and manifest in these different ways. Could you guys maybe speak to that just a little bit before we move on? You want to speak? I feel like you've got this one. Yeah, fantastic. Well, you know, Jamie knows <laughs> I love speaking, so thanks for that. <laughs> so. You can kind of feel when it Anyways, go ahead. Continue. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll speak from my own experience. I, I Trauma for me manifested as addiction, depression, really not really wanting to live. I never thought that I would live to be 30. I, I was heavily addicted to drugs. Um, I was successful in running my own business and working kind of the rat race and, you know, believing the lies that are told to us. And this is what will bring happiness. But really, I was I was numbing myself with a lot of addictions um drug sex work money that everything just anything to numb my life and i found ayahuasca as a way to be able to treat addictions and i heard that it would be able i'd be able to treat this addiction so what i wasn't aware of that it would take me into the root cause of those addictions which was completely repressed trauma sexual violent ritual abuse that I was completely unaware of. And I probably say that if I didn't drink ayahuasca, it, I may not have ever uncovered that. And I may have just been one of those people who perhaps died from a drug overdose or perhaps just lived in depression and just kind of just like ate my body away with, with drugs and, and, and substances. So really the reason I'm sharing that is that Trauma and, and other afflictions can manifest themselves as anxiety, as PTSD, as depression, as social anxiety. But I, I think that it's, it's even more subtle than that. It's that there's this lack of magic, that lack of belief that we're actually all one connected to all things and the lives of separation that have been imbued upon us really, I think, is the original trauma. So I think you can look at anything that actually enforces separation can be described as trauma. And anything that reinforces oneness is healing. So I think that that's what we really, what we're really passionate about taking that through that whole journey from 
diving into the trauma as one aspect of kind of like the excavating of like the dirt, the mud, the pain, the suffering. And the other side is like the beam, the column of light that's taking you up through all the different dimensions to the remembrance of your absolute infiniteness. And and then that is healing because the remembrance of that also heals all trauma. So anything that's kind of in between those things, I think would be a symptom of trauma. Thank you. Yeah. Nicole, if you don't mind, I want to expand on that too. Um, So I'm from Oklahoma and, you know, I'm really familiar with um, living and growing up in the central Great Plains. And I, I lived in Minnesota for a while. And so, you know, I'm familiar with in my own family. And I think a lot of people growing up in that area of the country, um, that there's this tendency to really prioritize hard work and endurance yeah. and getting through things and persevering. And mm-hmm. I know in my family, Growing up, that was a, you know, that was a value that was passed on and passed through us. And there is a tendency, and also it can be a, excuse me, it can be a collectively agreed upon value. Oh, we're just all going to work really hard and we're going to keep at it and keep our nose to the grind. And and that will show that we're worthy or that we're lovable or that we've done something with ourselves. It'll prove our worthiness. And you know, so, so for me and my own experience of, of recognizing or, or becoming more aware of my own limited beliefs, my own distortions, my own, what I would perceive to be traumas or experiences that were really difficult growing up, um, that many of us have, um, the, the way I sort of was behaving unconsciously as an adult was what I would call performing, you know, okay, I'm going to go out and I'm going to start a business and I'm going to make it great. And I'm going to spend, you know, 60, 70 hours working a week and I'm going to push, push, push. And, and I'm going to, you know, all this perfectionism that comes through of everything's got to be right. It's got to be perfect. There's not any room for mistakes. And, and so I think any of us, there's, there's probably a lot of us that think, oh, these are actually great ethics and values to have. And, and, you know, especially as an adult or as a parent or as a spouse or as a business owner, um, that these are great qualities to have, you know, we can, there's always room or an opportunity for us to take a little bit of an honest glimpse at ourselves of like, okay, what's actually driving this? What's, and, and maybe part of that drive is, yeah, this is a, a value I hold firm to, but maybe there's also, at least for myself, looking into it and, and what's come through in my own experiences, in my own internal inquiry or contemplation or ayahuasca ceremonies, whatever practices I've, I've worked with over, over the years, is just sort of recognizing, okay, there's a portion of this where I don't feel like there's... I'll never be able to do enough to deserve to be loved. I'll, I'll mm-hmm. never, I'll never feel worthy enough. No, no amount of accolades or recognition or accomplishment or achievement or success. I'll, I'll never be able to prove to myself that I'm enough. And so what am I doing? What am mm-hmm. I doing here? And so these are things too, we find often when we work with people, um, in our private sessions and our workshops and in our ayahuasca retreats, we find people coming who've been doing, 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 doing. And when they take the time for themselves and just sort of settle in and breathe, that they begin to recognize, uh, 
what, what, okay, what are these ideas I have about myself that I'm never going to be enough? And so just that, just that asking those questions, just those things, just recognizing, okay, I haven't taken a breath this week. Those could be some very sort of obvious ways to recognize like, Hmm. Okay. There's a part of this that may be an ethical or a value or a personal thing that I'm striving for, but is there a portion of this that I don't, I don't feel like I'm ever going to be enough. So that's, that's a nice place to kind of start. Mm -hmm. That was was so beautifully put. And, and yeah, I think you did encompass kind of this Midwestern mentality and it does kind of go out, you know, to the entire United States. We hear about this this just crazy daunting work ethic that we have that you meet people from, I mean, South America, across the pond, they're taking siestas in the afternoon and like (laughs) plugging in that me time. And that's just so shocking to a lot of Americans. You know, you're like, what? You just need some me time in the middle of the afternoon. That's like, you know, three more hours where you can make money and sell stuff. So I don't think people really understand that kind of blast radius that that constant work and everybody's tension, it does spread into all areas of your life. And I know you spoke on kind of the addiction side and you've spoken more on this, like, let's process the mental health side. And kind of what I hear in its simplest term is that people find you when they're out of balance somehow, when they can't achieve that work and private life balance or the personal relationship doesn't match up with their public self. And I think you guys help find the balance and that's what you guys are all about. So thank you. That was a nice way to explain that. (laughs) Thanks, Nicole. Thank you, Nicole. So you you have the um, ceremonies where you you use the medicine to help the um, sort of the, the cure or, or whatever you want to call it, moving people ahead. How do, how does this work online? You do um, healing work online. How does that work? And how many sessions? And and how, how would I um, do you get any help from the beings or from the higher self or to help you along in terms of, of what you're doing for people? Yeah, sure. Well, firstly, I think it's really interesting to make a, a distinction. In our, in our experience of working with ayahuasca and plant medicine and in channeling, it's just a different medium of the same or similar thing, which is really connecting to higher intelligence spirits and beings to allow healing and evolution to occur for the individual and for the collective group. So in an ayahuasca ceremony, that looks like us sitting in a room in a ceremony space, drinking ayahuasca together, together, connecting, communicating, and singing to spirits to do healing, cleaning work, and various different multidimensional healings. In an online setting, our ability to connect to multidimensional beings, which I can say is everyone's ability to connect to multidimensional beings. is just something that we've practiced and are very passionate about. Our absolute faith and knowing in that allows us to connect to these beings to do healing work remotely on a Zoom call, which in our experience is just as powerful as being in person. So in our healing sessions, we have varying different types of healing sessions. 
or we'd say one aspect of it really looks at like the healing side and another aspect looks at the evolution side. So the healing side, looking at healing of trauma, uh, looking at limiting beliefs, working through blockages, uh, and then the evolution side, also then teaching people to connect to their own intuitive abilities, to their oneness, to learn to channel, to self-recognize themselves uh, uh, as oneness. So we work along that scale and it's all really interlinked and intertwined. There's no healing without evolution and there's no evolution without healing in our experience. So really what we do is then we connect and channel different beings and allow them to work through us in highest alignment and service to, to that of all beings. And, and yeah, I'm, I'm going to expand on that. Am I interrupting yeah. you? No, no. Okay. So yeah, the other thing that comes through for me in, in answer to that question is, you know, I, I was already working professionally practicing as an intuitive medium for about five or six years before I connected with ayahuasca and, and the Shipibo tradition of Carinderismo and, and the work that Michael and I have both trained in. And so when I stepped into plant spirit healing and, and ayahuasca ceremony. When, when I drank the ayahuasca brew and went into ceremony and they call it, <clears throat> they call it the altered state. When the ayahuasca hits, they call it mariacion. And it just means you're in the altered state of ayahuasca. And when I went into that state for the first time, I was like, Oh, Oh, you know, okay, I see everything crystal clear, all the things that I already experienced as an intuitive medium. It was like crystal clear. It was like, oh, oh, you're an angel. You're a guide. You're a galactic friend. So very, very specific and descriptive and clear. And it was almost like my eyes were seeing it for the first time. My physical eyes were seeing it for the first time even though outside of ayahuasca ceremony or the altered state, when I work as an intuitive medium in my internal landscape or in what I would call sort of the energetic hologram that my inner sight sees, I see these things all the time, but in ceremony, it's crystal clear. So what's beautiful and, and for us, I just think perpetually fascinating and such a gift, um, what we always, or what I always recognize and see around people, each one of us as humans, I call it our spirit teams and everybody's got a very unique spirit team and everybody's soul is just beautifully aligned and resonant with their spirit team. And this may be passed over loved ones. It may be galactic friends. It may be archangels. It may just be like a spirit guide that you've incarnated with in other lifetimes many times before. It may be <clears throat> a tree energy. It could be a passed over pet. Um, it could be a dolphin, all sorts of things. And so there's all this beautiful, loving, intelligent support that surrounds every single one of us. And, and, you know, for, for us, we call it the many faces of God. It's like, you can go straight to God. You can go to your higher self. You can go to your spirit guide. You can go to your passed over grandmother. You can connect with the tree outside your window. It's, it's all a beautiful face of God that has its own loving intelligence, its own vibration, its own messages and wisdom to share. And so when we work in our channeling sessions and in our intuitive readings in an ayahuasca ceremony, we're just connecting with 
all of the spirit teams and the guides of the people that we work with. And we're saying, bring your medicine to this person, help heal this person, help bringing them into their highest truth, help empower them into their own knowing, help connect them with God consciously, these types of things. And it has so many different ways of coming through depending on the person or the people that we're working with. And it's just beautiful because anytime we work with somebody, it's an entirely new experience of medicine that comes through. Can, can I ask one more question before Nicole jumps in? Cause she's got, she wants to ask something. Um, so if someone comes to you online and they, they would naturally have a block. Uh, so I, I understand the theory that it's all in the field. It's all one uh, understanding the connection, making the connection there. But if a person is coming to you online, they would necessarily have a block where they haven't been able to get through and realize this. It's almost like it's easier said than done. So how do you move there? Do, they, do the guides help you in terms of uh, removing the block? You go ahead. Thanks, Grant. Well, I, I think what I think that maybe the simplest term to describe it may be that we're ambassadors for the client's higher self. So whatever the higher self of that client needs will be there to allow that to channel through and to be reflected. And, and just like each of us is an individual divine expression of creation, we all have our own individual needs, both in the physical and the metaphysical. So when someone comes, one session, like a lot of the work that I do with people, I do a lot of trauma healing work. I have trauma healing sessions where people are saying actively, I feel like depressed. I feel suicidal or I've got anxiety or depression or PTSD. So they're more aware of that block. And then through working with me in a session is a combination of going into the intelligence of the, the body of, of guiding people in a trauma informed way, which means safely guiding people into the de depths of their own trauma whilst they're multi-dimensionally multi working with galactic beings and plant spirits to help unravel the root of that trauma at a karmic level so that that no longer needs to be expressed in this lifetime and multiple lifetimes. So it's kind of like a combination between going into kind of more, more um, metaphysical work with very much human-based compassion and empathy and helping people to guide through that trauma and be like, yeah, that, that sounds like it was really a sort of tough time and really guiding people compassionately through their trauma so that it's released. But what we find is there's no magic pill. There's no magic pill. You're not going to come to a session with either of us and be like, hey, Michael and Jamie, I've got all these problems. Can you just take them away? It's like, that's not what you incarnated for. We can help you dissolve them yourself, but we're only going to be here a reflection as guides for you to be empowered in your own healing. Because if you're not empowered, then it, the point's being missed in our experience. That's true. Nicole, you got a question? There we go. I'm jumping in. <laughs> I had to unmute. Um, sometimes I think faster than I can write, but I wanted to quote you. You you called this the energetic matrix. Was that right? Um, I can look back later, but I, I if you want to quote me on that, <laughs> sounds cool. <laughs> I'm like, that feels like it could be a description. Sure. Maybe. <laughs> I, I'll revisit, but no, I liked that. And, you know, this is honestly an area where 
um, our friend Sinead and Grant have really explored more. And I come in kind of late to the party and I'm like, oh, oh, you know, <laughs> and often I haven't experienced this, but what I find is people do treatment and this healing, whether it's accidental. And I think a way I can relate to this is when I first um, started visiting these little rabbit holes, it's always fun because you get a return. You go in, you share, and then people come out of them and then they find you. Well, I know this idea of treatment, you kind of bring in, you know, and you get what you give and there's this lesson involved, you know, if you don't want to do the work, you're not going to move beyond this. And I kind of liked the idea that, I mean, yes, you guys are the ambassadors for the higher self, you know, and you're that middle point, but maybe what people don't realize is that these guides and your spirit team, they're never not working. And that's, that was such a huge, like click for me. It's like, just because I'm not seeking out, like in the moment, like, what is this? Because often experiencers feel these guides. You know, I feel mine like here all the time. It feels like two people are behind me. And then out of nowhere, I had a lovely medium come up to me in a meeting. And she's like, you know, most people have one guide hanging out behind them, but you have two and their names are Samantha and Symphony. And they just want to want you to know they're here for you. And I was just like, pow, floored, you know, this wasn't something I was pursuing, but that was the moment it clicked. Call them your guardian angels or your guides or your spirit family. There's a pack of them there with you. And it is strange when you discover it is your higher self. It is your loved ones. Um, we did a session with people that auto write and channel that way. And I explored that a little bit. And that's where I realized I looked back and I had written like two pages of names and people from my past, you know, people that I hadn't interacted with yet. And yeah, like I know part of that list is my guide team or my spirit team. So it's just fun to explore this with you guys. And it's not always like a negative healing experience, people can come to you to work towards like a positive thing too, that they just can't and maybe grasp themselves. So it's not all this, I have to fix stuff. It is kind of, I've had an awakening and I need to process through it as well. So it's just beautiful, the work you guys do. <laughs> and there's so many elements, like you can get this treatment without the ayahuasca as well. I hear people don't, if they do this and continue to do this, it's not that they always need that ayahuasca as a bridge. Do you guys find that true? Or once you connect and recognize it, is it easier to do it without the plant medicine? I guess is my question. <laughs> That's a great question. Um, in our experience, Nicole, it, it feels like the plants, and we say the plants because although most people kind of think of ayahuasca, that there's a handful of other plants that we work with that are medicinal plants, not entheogenic, mm -hmm. but that provide, um, you know, healing for different 
uh, mind, body, spirit conditions. And so when I say the plants, I'm including ayahuasca, but what's, what's really lovely, the plants have this sort of, we kind of think of them as teachers or doctors. They have this multidimensional intelligence, loving intelligence, and they, they tend to work fast. They, they tend to work very symbiotically with human consciousness. And it just feels like, I always feel like we were put on the planet together. Like we're, we're, um, you know, partners, us humans and plants, but they work very quickly and they work very fluidly with human consciousness. And so oftentimes we find that experiences that people have with plants or an ayahuasca ceremony, that you may have a very direct, immersive, cellular experience that transforms you in one ceremony, one, one four-hour ceremony, in a way that may have, if you were to do it outside of ayahuasca ceremony, may take 10 years of therapy to come to that awareness directly. And so this can be fantastic for someone who's like, okay, I'm ready to see myself. I'm ready to wake up. I'm, I'm ready to transform. I'm ready to be my authentic self. I'm ready to see the parts of me that aren't in alignment with my truth. These types of things, someone who's ready for that, those, those deep immersive awarenesses that where you come out and you can't help, but know it. Mm -hmm. Like I'm changed. I'm different. I see things different. I feel things differently. So that can be a great benefit to working with the plants. Also mm -hmm. in ayahuasca ceremony, we are able to oftentimes see things and have understandings that were because of the layers of the illusion or the veil, you know, those are just words people often use to talk about their density um, that can be sort of tough to see, or even, even when we see them, sometimes we don't affirm them. We're like, ah, that's not really real. Okay. I don't know. You know, but in ceremony with ayahuasca, you can be like, uh, okay, I can't unknow that. I know that about myself. I know that's my thought pattern. I know how it affects me. I want to change that. Okay. So it can really speed things up. And it can show you how to see your thoughts. It can show you how to feel into your body. It can show you how to breathe more deeply. And then we come out of ceremony and we have an opportunity, not one that everyone takes, honestly, but we have an opportunity then to apply what we've learned in ceremony to our regular waking life, to our own contemplation, our own meditation, our own silent time, and the way we engage in relationships, the way we engage in work. And we're given those tools and we're given those opportunities to apply those tools in our waking life. And yes, you can absolutely go do that. And then you start realizing, like you said, uh, this stuff's available to me right now, every moment. I don't have to go sit in an ayahuasca ceremony to experience this or learn this or figure something out. I can, but I don't, I don't need to, I don't have to, you know, Michael and I say, we, we've sat in hundreds of ceremonies combined. Um, most of those have been in facilitation for other people's healing. Mm -hmm. And Michael and I both kind of say, if we weren't doing this work in, service to other people's healing as facilitators, as practitioners, as curanderos and curanderas, how often would we actually sit in ceremony for ourselves? And, you know, at this point in time, we've been doing it for many years now. It's like, for me, you know, maybe once, maybe twice a year, 
because for me, something I gain from each ceremony, it can literally last me for six months or a year to work on and integrate. Wow. You know, can I just add add something? Yeah, 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 yeah. Sure. Go ahead. Yeah. What is so passionate for us in our own lives is to expand on what Jamie's already said. And we use this word empowerment, but everyone's already empowered. It's just helping people remember that they are. And our programs, we call them healing and evolution, our ayahuasca healing and evolution retreats, where we use plant medicines as a catalyst to mm-hmm. help people recognize that. So what our dream, what our goal really is, is in those 10 days with the, 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 the quantum leaping that occurs through working with plant medicines, plus the channeling and then imparting tools specifically designed to help lock into people's blueprints who come and work with us in those small groups is provide the platform that will then be able to take those 10 days and take that into 10 years of learning. So we're very much proponents of not becoming reliant on anything outside of yourself. Often people have to keep coming back and and work in ayahuasca and keep coming to ayahuasca and then they have a problem. It's like, I've got a problem. I need to go to ayahuasca. That's, that's value. There's valid in that value in that, that will help people. But we're very, very strong. It's set in the framework from the beginning that it's all within you. So the way that people engage with those plant medicines with us from the beginning, it's not that that's the answer that this is how going to help you find the answers within yourself more quicker than if you didn't have that. And that's what we found that we're, we're here about quantum leaping and then helping people go off. Cause you know, let's face it. Not everyone wants to come to Peru every year. It's not, it's not that accessible for everyone all the time to come do that. And let's face it. If you can get all those things here and now, cause ultimately everything is here and now our passion, when we put these programs together is like, how can we get people to get that quicker and then step into their truth so that they can share whatever that is with everyone else. Beautiful. Let me now just move a little bit to the um, the Pleiadians. Nicole was on a radio show last night in Canada. I was supposed to go on. I didn't go on, but um, you may know, you may not know, the U.S. government is now putting out a uh, study about um, injuries from UFOs. Nicole and I have a UFO background. I had my fight at first sighting in 1975. I've, you know, I've done this written number of books on the subject, but I've also been heavily into channels, channel material and uh, people who have, uh, I, I, the way I describe it is a contact modality where they're able to get into the field and, and get help and get information. So can we, I ask you about the Palladian Collective that you deal with um, and the, as sort of a series of questions you can just sort of go into. Are these actual what UFO people would call ETs? Are they uh, non-physical? Um, are they part of a, um, is, it, is it always going to be a collective? And then answer this question that is, is getting, gaining this momentum in the United States is that uh, there's people dying, they're, they're getting killed by these UFOs, and this is bad news, it's a national security issue. And uh, go, go from that perspective of who you're dealing with here in in, in your channeled material and how we've sort of got it wrong in terms of what the, the government is, is trying to put out in, in terms of fear and threat. We are the Palladian Collective and we thank you for connecting with us here today. 
and we are happy to answer any of your questions. Know that we work with this channel that you know is Michael, and we've been connecting with him for several years, but you are not alone in this connection. You know that this connection goes out to all of you, that we are speaking to you in your dreams. When you have the dreams of these extraterrestrial beings, when you have the dreams of going on the spaceships, know that we are with you. When you have the synchronicities within your life, as you were also mentioning about these spirit teams and guides, we are here with you, guiding you, nudging you in the right direction so we are here we are fourth slash fifth density beings that are channeling through this being now and we are open with our hearts to your hearts for any questions that you may have with us with regards to any recent sightings or activities that are ongoing on your planet earth and we are happy to be of service to you here today thank you why why are the why is the collective here at this time because you have called upon us are, are we a part on another level in terms of um, asking and, and dealing and uh, building and or whatever you want to call it? Asking what? Please repeat the question. Um, uh, you, you say that we, ca we called you. I mean, in the terms of everything being one, are we, are we part of, were we part of you and you, um, you part of us in terms of, being at a higher level where we're interacting, where on, on the earth level, you would say, no, there's, there's the Pleiadians there and then there's the humans here. Are, are we all working together? Yes, thank you for the clarification of this question. So on a soul level in soul groups, we are connected that you might see as soul bubbles or soul groups, where there is a deeper tangible connection between where there are shared messages, insights, synchronicities, just as you appear to each other in these synchronicities in life, just as these meetings and interviews to be able to provide information, a gathering of souls to be in service to all. Yet on the deeper level, on terms of the ultimate truth, then there is no separation between anyone. Just like that there is no separation between the oceans and the water molecules, there is no separation between us and you. Yet in this gathering, we have heard the call that you would like to know more about us, and we have felt it more appropriate for us to speak directly rather than through a messenger, if that might speak to some of your questions. And we are happy to be here to be of service to your collective, to your growing elements, the growing beings within your collective that are here to listen to information for advice, for healing and growth. We are happy to be of service in this way. How, do, how does the collective respond to the um, claims by the US government that uh, people are being injured and that this may be uh, an evil force that we don't need here on this planet? This is what we call a false flag operation, and it's not true from the perspective that we see in the way that this information has been disseminated upon your planet. So there's no need to read too much into that because you already knew the truth in your hearts. Good. Nicole, have you got something there you want to ask? Not at the moment. We can continue a little bit. I, I, I know sometimes our audience gets confused um, when we do talk to a, coll a collective and um, I think maybe if you could speak as to how there is still individualism when it comes to a collective and maybe how we're all in the here and now, but maybe in the different planes of dimensional existence and everything that could happen is happening and has happened and will happen again all in this moment. <laughs> 
Well, we'll try to unravel that in a shorter period of time. If you want to go back to the beginning of existence, right till this podcast and see how it was all the same, we'll do our best to wrap that into a bow that's understandable for all beings, but we will do our very best. So what we will speak to first is with regards to the concerns of speaking to a collective. It's not like the Borg from your Star Trek movies. Do not worry when we talk about the collective. The collective is a group of souls that have a similar mission that are able to speak through one energy. Now, it's difficult perhaps for the human mind to understand that collective energy because the individuation that occurs on planet earth is so polarized with one person liking this political party and the other person liking this other political party and the other person having this idea of thinking this is the way that we should move forward and then this is the way that we should move forward the idea of the collective is is that we have one mind one heart one thought one intention therefore there is no disparity therefore there is no problem because we are all in agreement with the same message and this is how we are able to speak this message through to you here and now does that make sense yes thank you would you like further clarification on the rest of the universe or is that enough for now <laughs> that's enough for now <laughs> we thank you and we bid you good day thank you you, you like that nicole <laughs> I do. I do. I'm always, I'm always just so impressed with speaking with collectives. I'm just, I have, honestly, I need days to process what just happened and I'm going to smile <laughs> for the days to come as I'm thinking on it. And then I'll have more questions the next time we chat. So <laughs> Jamie, how does, how does a medium fit into this? How did you two start to work together and do you work together in, in, in sessions in terms of input? And I, I guess in the, in, the, in the higher realms, you're, it's all the same thing. You're all in there. But how do, you, how do you two work together in terms of, because in the people on, a lot of the people watching this will understand the, the idea, but a lot of people will say, well, channelers and mediums are two different things. How does this work? But can you tell about your role in all of this? Yeah, Grant, fantastic question. It's interesting because intuitively the I was already feeling nudged to respond to that because what, what I would say Michael just did then was semi-trance or trance channeling. That may be a phrase or word that we use, words we use to describe what he just did where he's bringing through an energy and embodying it and expressing a certain language or a personality or a tone or a vibration more fully, more embodied. So what I tend to do and in the words that I give myself for the moment, I say I'm an intuitive medium. And that means that I'm not only seeing guidance and messages and feeling overlays and energies and emotions for people for sessions, but I also have my intuitive, my own intuitive ability where I can look at someone and be like, oh, okay, all right, I see what's going on over there. So that happens simultaneously for me where I have my own intuitive sight, but then I'm also working with that person's spirit team and they're telling me things, showing me things, bringing information in front of me. So there's this sort of rich tapestry that's happening. And what I would say, another way I would call it, I would say I do conscious channeling in that I just openly speak about what I'm seeing, feeling, knowing, and I end up sounding kind of like an interpreter or translator when I'm talking to someone, I might be like, yeah, so they're saying this and you've got an angel here that just arrived and this angel specifically talking about this and wants you to know. So 
I'm very engaged consciously with my own consciousness. I'm not stepping aside and, and letting energies come through me, although I can do that. And I am invited to do that sometimes by spirits or beings that are like, it's going to be, this message is going to be more clear or more helpful if I can come through you a little bit more and I'm okay. And so I'll do a little bit more semi-trance channeling, but for instance, right then when Michael's doing trance channeling with the Pleiadians coming through, I'm sitting over here and I'm seeing all this stuff in answer to Nicole's question. And um, so if I was to answer Nicole's the question in regards to the Pleiadians or what was coming through for me, so I would sit here and say, well, what was interesting is I was being shown all these different sort of stars in the sky that look mm -hmm. like different stars and seeing them all make a conscious free will choice to come together and illuminate or radiate as one great star. And that when you ask the question of what does it mean that it's a collective, it's basically like, that's what I was being shown. All these perceived to be individuated stars, should you, this is interesting, should you zoom back into the cosmos far enough their individuation would begin to come together and look like one star. And so I was being shown that it's just the, and it's interesting, they keep saying a conscious free will choice of each star to come together to radiate as a singular star with like one voice in that moment. And that the next moment they may disperse back into constellations that look individuated. And in the next moment, another group of stars may come together over here to, I keep hearing conscious free will choice to radiate as one voice, one mm -hmm. voice in that moment. The other thing that comes up as I'm speaking to anyone who is familiar with um, 12 step recovery, Alcoholics Anonymous, Al-Anon, ACA, any of that, there's something in those groups known as the, the group conscience and it's, it's agreed upon within recovery groups that the group conscious will speak for the group. And that means that anytime a group of people within those recovery groups come together to make decisions, whether it's 12 or 25 or 30, that everyone will put their personality aside to allow the group consciousness to come through for the highest good of the group. And so whatever's decided at that group meeting everyone says, okay, I'm going to put myself to the side and I'm going to accept that what was decided was for the best of all. And so it's kind of that same, that same energy of we're all going to come together and all of us together can put our one voice together. And there's something that's vastly more interconnected, intelligent, and loving in that than one individuation trying to have that, I'm going to be the one that speaks. I'm going to be the one that knows all of us coming together, bringing together all of our intelligence, love, wisdom into one force or one radiance mm -hmm. will have that emanation. Wow. What's coming through to me right now is I guess maybe not quite a, a visual, but maybe a parallel of understanding is and Grant and I dive into music often, music with the phenomenon, but it, it almost feels like you're describing a choir and you have all these individual voices and they're on different notes, but when they come together and harmonize and make a crescendo, that crescendo moment is the collective of all those individuals. Like, 
So thank you. That was wonderful. It helped me put it in terms I could understand. So that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm sorting my way through it, guys. It's part of my job. <laughs> Let me ask once more about the about the blockage, because I've had some pretty intuitive moments in my life. And I've had some moments recently where you go to the the your higher self and there's like dead silence. And it's like, so what would be the the, the blockages? Because, you know, I, I, I at one point I actually thought, you know, once I get out of here, the first question I'm going to say is, where the heck did you go to? And so Nicole says she can see, feel the 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 um, the, the her uh, guides behind her. I've never sort of felt that, but I've had very intuitive moments. So again, let's go back to the block. What what would be the main sort of um, thing that's causing the block? Is it fear? Is it uh, the ego trying to control the thing? What, what how how would you handle that? Yeah, I would just say that the 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 block is the thought that you're not connected. It's just the thought that you're not connected to your higher self. And then the belief in that thought that then overshadows the truth that you are. So then it's your allegiance to that thought of separation, which causes you to have the experience, which is a valid experience of feeling disconnected, which is on some level, a fractal of what the experience of incarnating is having the experience of separation. And so, so how do we reverse this? Because I understand the concept. Mm-hmm. But how, how, how does, if you, if you're in that situation, what do you advise people to, to do? Because people will say, okay, relax and, you know, get in, you know, get, get things out of the way, meditate in and get into the zone, get, get, you know, the, um, the stillness where so you can hear the voice. But um, in real life, I found it a little harder to do than, than, than the, the concept. I understand the concept. Yeah, absolutely. I'll just continue. If that's yeah. all right. Mm-hmm. So this is a great question. Thank you, Grant, because this, totally. this comes up a lot for people. So, okay, it's great just recognizing that it's a thought, but then what happens if you can't do anything about that thought and that thought seems completely real and no matter what you do, you might not be able to get what you might say out of your head. So one of the beauties of working with plant medicines is that that kicks you out of your head. It takes that veil of illusion and it dissolves it so quickly and so vastly. And then in a trauma-informed setting, in other words, a safe setting to be able to do that in a held way, you're able to then have direct experience of feeling connected to intergalactic beings, to your higher self, to angels, to oneness. So that when you come back out of that experience, you have evidence from your own direct experience of something that is contrary to the thought that says I'm not connected. Now, that's one way of doing it. You could also meditate for an extended period of time and over a period of years become very well adept at meditating. And that thought would also have less of a grip that you're disconnected from things because you'd have another direct experience of oneness. Now, what the interesting thing is, is that those thoughts of separation, they're not just, they're not just there for no reason. They've not just, there's not something wrong with you or anyone who's having that experience. They often come through experiences in our lives, which imprint trauma upon us, which may be something like, I'm not good enough, or I don't deserve to be connected or or any of these other things. So this is when we come back into the excavation then is like, where does that thought originate? What basis is it? 
where is it? Where's the root of that? So we can then start to examine that. And if you examine the root of that thought of separation, what may normally happen if you go to the root of that is that just like a house of cards, the rest of those thoughts and blockages will fall down if you begin to work at the root. So that's where we work as best we can at the root cause of these thoughts of separations or fears or worries. Now, what the work that I feel that we do very well is, is that we take those concepts and channelings and then we take that into a direct energetic experience, either through multidimensional experiences online or in person, and then also down deeper into uh, entheogens and plant medicines that, that can help push you through that veil. So I think the, the question for anyone who's listening is, is why am I feeling separate? Why am I feeling that I'm not connected? Just ask yourself, is that true? Do I have evidence of that? Or is that a thought? And then examine the root of that thought and then use that to go into the inquiry and then find out what is at the root of that and that is projecting those images of separation out in your connection. Because as Nicole, as you were saying, all these beings, all these connections are already here, whether we want to turn our attention or awareness to them or not, if we're able to, or perhaps we are feeling blocked. And again, if anyone's out there feeling blocked or feeling disconnected, this is nothing wrong. This is, this is I can feel it. It's, you know, it's, it's a troubling experience when we feel disconnected, when you know, there's times when we feel disconnected, when we're having a tough time or things are going on, there's a lot of stress in life. It's just, oh, I can feel the tightness, the contraction of life. So, you know, we, we do this professionally and we still feel contracted from time to time and feel and feel like that we're disconnected. But the truth is that we know through direct experience and practice through direct experience, knowing that it's impossible to be disconnected from your higher self. And we have a conviction in that, more of a conviction in that oneness that allows us to traverse those times of feeling more disconnected with less disturbance because we know that that's an experience of separation. It's not the truth. And Grant, in my, okay, also, if, if I have your permission, I'm also receiving just some intuitive guidance for you in response to that question that feels like it's also absolutely equally important for many people who are listening to this podcast today. Would you mind if I share that? Sure, with sure, you? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, great. So also in, in expanding on what, what Michael just spoke about, Oftentimes I recognize, you know, I, um, I say I, I teach an intuitive mentorship 101 course, but um, more like spirit channels that course through me for each person or each student who takes it. But what I've seen over the years in teaching or channeling that course, there are people and, and I'm feeling you in this, and this is why this is coming through, whose present day strongest intuitive ability is the knowing and I call the, the knowing is a beautiful, beautiful multisensory ability, but it's the most overlooked multisensory ability or intuitive sense, because the knowing is something that typically for people who are researchers, people who are investigators, um, you know, I've got two friends who are cops and each one of them have this knowing sense. It's like, it's an instinct. It's a gut feeling. It's, it's the type of intuitive ability that, that this may be something, this type of person experiences that someone says, 
oh my gosh, I really don't know what I'm going to do. Should I do this or that? And you just go do that. And they go, well, why? What makes you say that? Just, it's the right one. Do that. And if someone's like, well, what made you decide that? How did you come up with that? I just know. You may find yourself saying, I just know, you know, and, and grant, um, all of the work you've been doing for so many years, like I can feel it as, as we're talking today, I can feel it. You've had a knowing in you that's told you each step of the way. Okay. Now I'm going to go over here and do this. Now I'm going to go look into this. Oh, wow. Now this information synthesizes with this, this information is important to share. Now look, this window's opened and I'm feeling, I'm feeling I'm going to get ahead in that direction now. So I'm being shown you've had an internal knowing along this path, along all this work you've been doing for so many years that you've been following out of this feels right. This is the next thing to do. This is the next decision to make. This is the information to connect together. And sometimes people who have that strong sense of knowing because it's so fast, it's so quick, it's so present it's unarguable, arguable. You're not going to spend loads of time grant explaining to someone, oh, well, I had a feeling up here. Then I felt a tingle in my right shoulder. And then I saw a, a bright light and I saw the numbers one, two, three, and I knew synchronistically, Grant, that's not your style. That's someone else's style though, fabulously. That's their intuitive synchronicity and ability. Grant, yours is, this is the direction. This is the way. This is the next step to do and you feel it in you and you don't have time or interest in discussing it or reasoning it or explaining it or trying to prove it, you're like, there it is. That's what we're doing. That's what's next. So that knowing, and I'm speaking also to all the people listening right now who have this strong sense of knowing it can, it can, it's one of the most overlooked because people just think, well, what else would I do? Well, it's like, yeah. So that's your beautiful, presently strong intuitive sense, your multi-sensory ability that is activated and has been for many years, but it's really easy to just be like, oh, that's not intuition. You know, I'm not intuitive. I don't have a higher guidance system as far as I can see. Yeah, you do. And, and you have for quite some time. So then the other thing that, that comes through often in the intuitive mentorship course, again, in alignment with what Michael's already said we're all already intuitive. We're all already behaving intuitive in, in the steps we take and the choices we make and, and what we know to be true. And oftentimes the first step in strengthening our intuition is simply affirming what already exists. So what I would invite anyone to do who's listening at this moment, who wants to strengthen their intuition right now in this moment is to simply think of a time that happened this morning or yesterday or this past week or this past month where you felt something or you knew something, or you made a decision because it felt right. Because something in you is like, yeah, I know these people are telling me to do this, but I really feel like this is the right decision. This is the right job to make. And simply acknowledge that moment where you felt an intuitive nudge and you followed it. Oh, I did something intuitive. Yeah, I experienced my intuition. So when we start affirming it as it happens without even like, oh, I'm not, you know, you don't even have to go take an intuitive a mentorship workshop, you can just simply start right now affirming the times that it happens on a daily basis. And it does 
because the ego, like you mentioned, and like Michael mentioned, the ego does not like to step out of what it already knows. The ego has collected an encyclopedia of experiences that each one of us has had, or Grant, I'll speak to you specifically in this moment. Your ego has an encyclopedic set of all of your actual experiences, and it doesn't want to go outside those experiences. It does not like new things. The ego does not like new things. And so it's the ego that will continue to tell you or my ego that will continue to tell me, ah, uh, this is crap. Don't believe it. This can't happen. I don't deserve this. I don't, I'm making this up. This is just my own thought. Well, and it's fine. The ego's here doing its job. And we're like, thank you, ego. Appreciate your voice again. And in this moment, I'm going to choose something different. I'm going to choose to affirm that I just behaved intuitively and strengthened it and made a decision for myself that even, even more tightly aligned me onto my path and the work I'm here to do. Oh, thanks. Uh, I think that's sort of sums up when you use the word ego. I mean, I mean, you may know I did a lot of hydrocilocybin um, and I did have pretty strong connections. And then you hit this sort of roadblock where you go like, what the heck happened here? It's sort of, or, and so I'm always sort of jealous of people who can channel, or we just did a, I don't know if you know the uh, Ingrid, Ingrid Honkala, who is a, from uh, originally from Columbia. She had a near-death experience at three years old and she's talking to her um, energy beings every day. And, 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 I, and I know, you know, we did the book on mediums and all this kind of stuff that people have this sort of um, uh, very, almost like maybe through a trauma event or a near-death experience, and they can suddenly have complete connection. And I've, so my, my question has always been, or the next question is, to me is always like, why can you have it sometimes when you're completely in there? And then you get the situation where ego, of course, I was told that in my sessions with the psilocybin, they call me ego boy. And it's sort of like ego gets in the way and, and it brings in the fear, which blocks the connection. And so you're, you're sort of fighting this thing, like, how do you get the ego out of the way? And maybe speak a little bit to fear, because is that, would I, would I have that right that fear is, is the ego not wanting to let go and stay in control? It can be, it, it can be for, for me and my understanding, my experience and my own, I'll say my own rich, intuitive interior landscape. And then what I see for other people when I'm, when I'm channeling through or teaching through intuitive mentorship, it seems like the two, and, you know, lately I've been calling them spirit guides because they, they simply are, but you've got ego and you've got shadow and, and ego is sort of that thing that you know, I think it's part and parcel of being a spirit embodied in a third density human body on planet earth that the ego came along with it. It's like we had to somehow the God or the vast intelligence had to somehow keep a spirit in a human body, keep it focused on the human body. Because, you know, if we're infinite being this, I'm not sure how much we would sort of buy on, oh, I'm a body. So the ego helps us kind of stay invested in the five senses, what my eyes see, what my ears hear, what I can touch, what I can physically grasp. And the ego is very directly connected to the five senses. So that's why also when somebody, for instance, loses their hearing or, or loses their sight, like automatically becomes more sensory perceptive to the non-physical realm. Because when we have our eyes open, we're looking around at everything, 
I get excited and preoccupied and distracted. I'm like, look at these lights. Oh my God, there's a fly on the wall. Did you see that plant? And so here I am very focused on the physical realm. Ego keeps us there. Ego is that part of us that says, be careful. Don't cross the street. There's a big truck coming. Hey, last time you touched that pan, you burnt your hand. So ego is also, I would say, thank you, ego is keeping us alive to continue to have an incarnative experience. So ego is not actually the enemy. Ego can be a spirit guide when we come to know it. You know, if, if we are unconsciously acting or behaving from the ego, ego or egos just driving the ship and we don't even know it. And we think our life experience is this thing is we come to find out, oh, my ego has been kind of running the show. The ego has a tendency to want to keep you connected to the five senses and not go into the multidimensional. So the ego will be like, it's not safe there. Don't do it. Don't trust it. We don't know it. It's unknown. It's a mystery. It's not for us. We're going to get in trouble. It's, it's going to, you know, all these sorts of things. Now, Grant, what's hilarious. And I love this about the ego. Okay. The moment any person decides, you know what? Thank you, ego, but I'm going to commit and dedicate to strengthening my own multisensory or intuitive abilities and my own, I'm going to go to my own inner guidance. I'm going to start looking for my own answers and my own authenticity. The moment anyone starts doing that and starts actually strengthening it and, and trusting it, ego will jump to that level and be like, it'll take credit for it. Ego will be like, look at us. <laughs> look at how special we are look what we did it, it's so funny because inside you can be like hold on a second you were just talking crap to me like two months ago now you're here with me on board so ego will find a new way to make this new experience from it or of it so that's another thing we also look at when we start actually strengthening and trusting our own intuitive abilities we're aware of, okay, hold on here a second. Am I going to start thinking I'm special or superior, or I have this gift? No, I don't have this gift. I'm just strengthening something that's innately mine. That's innately everybody's. So ego will always take that next step with us when we commit to it. So there's that part, the ego kind of just being aware of it and its voice helps us not take it so seriously and soften and trust ourselves. And I'll just fit this in real quick because the shadow wants to talk again. The shadow is a spirit guide too. The shadow does not need to be healed. It doesn't need to be gotten rid of. It doesn't need to be, you shush, you know, you keep causing problems for me. It's like the shadow also just wants to be known and loved. So the shadow is, is that part of us that any aspect of us that, that we've experienced in this incarnation and possibly other incarnations that we haven't fully allowed back into the light of love. And that can be abuse, it can be trauma. It can be just a simple conversation that we had with someone that changed the way we think. And then we're like, oh, okay, I can't behave like that anymore because it's not accepted and I won't be loved. And so we kind of keep it down there. So shadow will also perk up. Shadow tends to behave from fear. Shadow tends to have shame, guilt, depression, aloneness, fear, energies with it. And so anytime we feel fear, oh my God, I'm so scared. I'm like, I don't know that I want to go in and see anything. I don't, I don't really know that I want to know the answer to this question, quite honestly, you know, and I'll be honest, even in my own intuitive practice, 
is so funny. Michael and I, Michael's always like, hold on, I'm going to go inward. And, you know, I'll be like, I don't always want to go inward. I just sometimes want to answer like a human. I just want to be like, no, I want chocolate cake today, you know? And uh, that sometimes, so I know that if I go inward to ask a question, I am going to get an answer. I am going to receive guidance. And then my next step is to, what do I want to do with that guidance? Am I going to follow it? Or am I going to kind of resist it for another three months? You know, so we also know that there's that part of us, that shadow part of us that may not want to know the answers that may not want to see deeper, that may be afraid to be intuitive. And that's also okay. But that's also, if we feel that coming up, if we feel a fear of any kind that we can be like, okay, what is this fear? Let me, let me just kind of sit with it. What is the fear? And then we allow that fear to come back into the light of love. I see you. I feel you. I know you're there. You're there all the time. This is repetitive. Okay. I'm watching. I'm bearing witness to you. What do you have to share with me? What are we afraid of right now? Oh, okay. You know, so just working with it because honestly, any, anytime any of us actively decide or choose, I'm okay. I'm going to strengthen my intuition. Inevitably the ego and the shadow will speak up more. I'd just like to quickly add to that. I do actually think that your higher self wants chocolate cake. (laughs) (laughs) Probably. (laughs) Probably. (laughs) That was so wonderful. Beautiful. Um, we'll, I'll have maybe hire you for a session just to go over this, not on, you know, on air and, and yeah, give you a little more. but, um, let me last my last question. Then I want you guys to sum up what's, what's happening and, and where people can get a hold of you. Cause I think you have a lot that, that, uh, is helpful to uh, people around the world. Um, can you sum up for me, your sort of, um, view of life what's actually going on here in terms of we're looking at life in terms of looking at this little part of this electromagnetic spectrum the material world whatever how would you sum it up where do we come from what are we doing here and where are we going you got you guys are really coming with the like (laughs) infinite questions here Well, that, but that's what, you know, in, in the end, that's the question that people never ask themselves. Like they'll, 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 you know, plan for the future and, and stuff like that. And then when you, somebody says, you know, you got a couple months to live, then they go like, oh, what's going on here? Like, what am I doing here? Nobody ever asked that question. And I always say in the, in the UFO world is, is the whole thing with the beings, whoever's here, whatever the intelligence is, is you got to ask the question, like, what's really going on here? So that's uh, my question that I always ask myself. And so uh, you guys have this intuitive uh, connection so sum it up for me, like, what, what's it all about? I mean, that people never, because people are busy, you know, going to, going to work and taking care of kids and they never really think about it. And, and I think in the, in the world that you're in, in the world I'm in, we at least do that. I call it the Super Bowl of all stories. When you realize that, that you're on this leading edge and that you, you've got this insight as to what might actually be going on, that everybody's living in a lives of quiet desperation and have no clue what's going on. So sum it up for me. Great question. So do I'll share a little bit from my perspective and what my feelings and kind of tuning into that is, is that my experience through this incarnation is, is how can we return to unconditional love? And I think beyond the shapes and textures and colors and experiences of how we choose to live that life, whether it be in a sports star or a musician or a researcher or an author or the president or whatever it may be, 
or even an army general or whatever that may be. In my experience, in my experience, the question is, how do we return to that unconditional love? And in my experience, that heals all wounds. That takes us directly to the timeless dimensions, right back to the heart of it all. And I feel like that when we connect to that, that that transcends and transforms all trauma, all karma, all of the experiences that we've had in countless lifetimes. And that takes us back to the source of all things. Now, through that experience, through that, as what I've called it as unconditional love, someone who may also come to that from a different perspective, more like from the Buddhist type perspective is how can I recognize myself as that oneness? One technique that comes through so many times is when we talk about with clients or in workshops, it's like, okay, can you connect to unconditional love? And everyone's like, that, that, that exists on planet earth and kind of like, what is that? You know? And it's, so it's had to take people gently into that. And it's just like, do you have an animal or a pet that you know in your life that just looks at you and that you feel that love with them and, and that being closer to that unconditional love. So that's from the heart center is that, is that how can we experience that in life? And then there's kind of like the more scientific approach to self-realization, which is kind of like peeling back the layers and the veil and knowing the self as oneness, which is just another, another way of connecting with that unconditional love in my experience. So really it's the remembrance of the truth of who we are. And what I've shared is the experience of me remembering the truth of who I am that might be different for each person because I can't say what that is, but that's been my journey. And I think that even if I'm wrong, if I do that, it probably work out all right. So <laughs> I'm kind of hedging my bets on that that way. <laughs> <laughs> is that what, the, is that what your, your guides would say? Because that's the, the sort of the up that you have is you, you have sort of this channel where you can actually go and get this higher, higher, information because we are sort of cut off which would be a, another question related is we are by my look at it we are in, in go through the river of forgetfulness and we forget that we are that we are part of one that is that it, it is all and so that may be part of the process of, of living in this sort of what we think is a dualistic world where we're struggling to get back well i, I think like what is interesting is is that we're having the experience of forgetfulness in third density earth. And that's just one like level of one game. So then you're going to go into different galaxies with different laws of physics, different levels of forgetfulness and things that are incomprehensible to me in this incarnation. So what I would say is just like the remembrance in this lifetime, the remembrance beyond that veil of separation, beyond the veil of illusion seems to be like getting to the heart of it. And that seems to be where the work is. And that's certainly what we are passionate about through all the work that we do. But it's so interesting because when you go to different galaxies, different constellations, what are those levels of those games? What are those levels of those incarnations and those realities, those non-physical realities? So it's like, you know, interesting, eh? Yeah, totally. <laughs> and, and Grant, I was just going to ask you, are, are, with all of your UFO research and your books and things, are you familiar with the raw material, the law of one? Okay. So, so for me in my life, uh, that's one of the most perpetually inspirational book series that I continually go back to 
when, you know, and it's, it seeds itself in me. And then later I'm like, oh yeah, I'm going to go back. And that book number three had that one thing in it. And Carla Record, the woman who does the trance channeling for Raw to come through, she's also one of my favorite channels and any of the books that she writes and how she speaks and the teachings, I'm just always like, she nails it for me. I just love her. But for me, in answer to your question, the, the thing that's always resonated the most with me is what comes through in that book series, what Raw speaks about, that at some point along the cosmic timeline, if there even is or was such a thing, that it was decided of like, okay, I wonder what it would be like to have an experience where we aren't fully knowledgeable of our interconnectedness and, and one beingness with God creator, the infinite loving intelligence. And so that energy deciding to create planet or solar system or dimensional or density experience where you get to experience separation you get to feel like you're an individuated being, that you're separate from other things, and that there would be a whole host of catalysts for learning and lessons and growth in that. Now, I, I'm not even going to pretend to fully grasp that at all. And probably I only have like a, a 0.0072% understanding of that, but something deep in me just kind of nods to that of like, aha, okay, that feels right. And I can't grasp it. But something about that has always felt true to me. And so for me, it's like, I have to constantly remind myself, like you were saying, remembering, remembering that this experience I'm having in this human body, perceiving myself to be individuated and separate at times, and sometimes fully believing it and having so much struggle, you know, oh my gosh, feeling so separate. And then a moment later being like, oh, completely interconnected not worried about any of this. And then having flashes back and forth, you know, Michael and I, we laugh sometimes I'll come out of an intuitive reading and be fully like in this just loving, fertile intelligence. And, and two seconds later, my dog runs across my feet and I'm like, freaking A. And you're going to say the dog. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh, there I am. I'm human again, immediately. You know what I mean? So it's just the back and forth of that, that I think there's some sort of interesting experience in that. And honestly, I feel like earth, I keep looking out the windows. There's so many pleasures on earth, the smell of a pine in the sun, the sound of a river going over boulders. Again, the taste of chocolate cake, that plant that loves so much um, that like Michael said, hanging out with our dog and watching her run around and jump around like a donkey and realizing there's this soul in this little dog body and it's so precious and fun. So there's a lot of like joys and pleasures about planet earth that uh, honestly, I think kind of is like, oh, this is a pretty cool experience in the midst of all this strangeness. So I'm not fully sure how to grasp it all simultaneously, but I'll, I'll just say that the law of one or the raw, raw material for me, something feels really true in what is expressed there. Yeah. I've studied a lot of the channeling material and it came to sort of try to tell people that instead of having your little world games where you're taking all these puzzle pieces and keep shuffling around and thinking they're there, you put the pieces together, we've got them all that if you go outside to whether it's, you know, the raw material or, um, Paul Selleck or some of the, the, the channels, they're tapping into something. Don't you think we should sort of listen to this, which is a related question. This is kind of a weird question that I had to throw in when you start talking about this is this is something I've written about recently. And the, the, the Bible says the kingdom of God is within you. Uh, 
uh, John Wheeler, who was the, one of the more famous quantum physicists of the 20th century said, there is no out there out there. And um, you, you, so my, my question to you would be, or, or the, the Sufi says, you see yourself as a puny form with, when within you, the universe is unfolded. So when you do your thing and you talk to Pleiadians or you, you go with, are you going out there or are you going within? Is everything within us? You go ahead. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because when, when we first, well, I speak when I first started channeling, the chat, like, like the learning to channel and the kind of stepping in and to the, the channeling abilities and the kind of more and more understanding of oneself and this happens with us in plant medicines as well, is that seeing things outside of yourself is an absolutely valuable lesson through learning to connect with being, seeing a tree is outside of yourself, seeing the Palladians outside of yourself. But the, like the further that you go into that, it eventually crumbles. It eventually, it also becomes a recognition of that as the illusion. So our perspective, the work that we do, which is fairly unique, in the plant spirit healing world is that we we embody all of our teachings the best we can in, in non-duality in the teachings of oneness whereas ayahuasca plant spirit ceremonies are often seen especially in the tradition as dualistic as kind of good versus evil light versus dark and all of that stuff which is again valuable lessons and we've been through tons of that so when i'm teaching people how to channel at the basis of that is the recognition that that's another aspect of yourself that's coming through you, yet it has a different flavor. It's a different, as Jamie was saying before, it's a different face of God. So it kind of kind of like flick, but it's so it's it's also so nice to kind of just like speak to your ET friends and see them as like separate. It's kind of like, you know, it's like, oh, can we not just be separate and you just be an ET and tell me everything to do? Do you mean you're me? Oh my gosh. So it's kind of like, you know, there's definitely like the fun in that, but yeah. the truth of that, there's just, the, there's just that recognition that it's all here and now. So it's like, if it is all one and it's all here and now, how can we be disconnected? How can that message take any more than a millisecond to be anything all here than now, here and now? So yeah, absolutely. We're big proponents of everything being here and now. Definitely students of that teaching, continuing to learn more and more about that doing our best to dissolve the identities and allegiance to separation that we have in our own life. But yeah, it, we're as, as much as we can experience or have experienced in this lifetime. We feel like taking people to the core of the truth without any kind of frills on it. And any time that we can kind of identify within our own teachings in our own work where we're like, okay, there's some identity wrapped up in that. Okay, there's some of our ego that's got wrapped up in that. Okay, okay. There's like that level of the game is now kind of dissolved. We can't continue authentically to play at that level of the game because it's dissolved. So ultimately, that's going to the truth that we are all one. How do we get to the recognition that we are all source and beyond source? And how do we get that and embody that in our life? So yeah, it makes things fun. So when we're channeling, often, you know, there's... The channeling is just us talking like this and it's just coming through, it's coming through, it's coming through. And then people, sometimes people will be like, can we speak with the Palladians? We're like, 
cool I get to hang out with the Palladians <laughs> and like oh like they came through today from I've not come through for a little while that's quite fun <laughs> and so that happens and it's it's totally valuable because someone's going to connect someone's going to learn the lesson by recognizing that they're speaking to an extraterrestrial being that is a separate physical being within the illusion of reality and then that has its own if someone's like completely locked down and it's just like okay we're just earth and there's no life out in the solar system etc cetera, etc cetera, like this we're just on our own and then it's like okay well there's another being that was so exciting for me that was so exciting for me and we were just like all the time just like putting our crystals together when we when we first got together and we would like doing different when we had some interesting mushroom ceremonies where we were like calling in all the beings and they were all coming <laughs> down and we were gridding it up and we we're like come on palladians come down and they're like it's just like <laughs> so fun you know and that excitement so anyone who feels that excitement through you know anyone who's listening here i imagine in this audience is just like so excited by extraterrestrial life and so excited by those beings that's also true it's also true it's not untrue because we can sit here and be like, okay, we're all one and all that. And that's great and everything. But like, it's also fun to speak to ET. So, you know, enjoy that. That's what I would say. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's the analogy that I've, I've used where uh, it's like I they described it now as a movie screen that God or whoever is watching the play doesn't want to sit, you sit there and watch you sitting around a kitchen table for 75 years drinking coffee. So you have this sort of duality that makes the thing exciting and it's going up and down and stuff like that. Any other questions to call? Otherwise, I want to get them to tell us where people can get a hold of them, what they're planning to do and all that kind of stuff. No, I mean, I just maybe have a comment that, you know, from my food background, that so much of this, it, it feels like, you know, nutrition. And when we think that our bodies are just this giant receptor for the universe and this knowledge nutrition, you know, I mean, what we put in, we get back out and we got to feed this receptacle that is our conduit to this consciousness out there. And I think we just kind of all strive and search for ways to make that connection. So I just, I love knowing that there's people out there in the world, like you guys that can help people like me and others kind of process through these awakenings. And everybody looks at it like these big, like life shattering moments, but there is that scale. There's the big awakenings. And then there's li these little daily ones that you continuously go through. If you want to keep sorting this out and working on this for yourself. So thank you so much for being here. And yeah, please tell us and everybody how they can get a hold of you, where they can find you. <laughs> well, thanks so much, Nicole. I think I just segue into that section with talking about when people come down here to work with us in our ayahuasca plant spirit healing retreats or our ayahuasca healing and evolution retreats as we we're now calling them. Um, part of that is, is participating in a detoxification of the body. So we work with different plants that detoxify, but the nutrition aspect, there's a process of, of simplifying the food, reducing salt, reducing oil, spice, caffeine, and other stimulants and other, other toxins in the body, which starts to bring that vessel into its natural alignment. So just kind of like if you turn the TV down and you turn all the noise off and you turn down social media, already you can find that that intelligence is already there. So part of the process of coming down to work with us here in the Sacred Valley is that purification of the body 
and then the mind and the spirit, which then means that that connection to that infinite intelligence is just, it's just louder because everything else is quieter. So that's a big part of the process of the purification of the mind, body, and spirit, which ultimately when you take away all of those shells, just remains that, that pure truth or closer to at least. So if you want to find out more about the work that we do, uh, we can find us at casagalactica.com. So we, as I mentioned, we are just at the minute of transitioning into our new website, which is going to be changing over the next few days. So if you go on our website and you're just so excited, you're like, wow, I got to meet these guys. They're so cool. I just couldn't <laughs> wait till a new website was there. Hold your horses and just subscribe to our newsletter, please, because we'll send you a nice little email with the new, with the new retreat dates. But we're going to be doing 10-day healing and evolution ayahuasca retreats starting from this September. We're going to do three retreats this year just for four people. Where we'll be doing channeling, one-on-one sessions, different sound healing ceremonies, nutritious food, and one-on-one sessions. And just really what we feel like from all of our experience of working with plants, working with galactic beings, our higher selves, in collaboration with spirit, we've created what we feel like is the optimum program to take you through a healing and evolution that will last way beyond those 10 days. That will catapult you into your own experience of sharing your own divine truth with everyone else. So we're super, super excited about that. So if anyone else has got any questions about that, please also feel free just to send us an email or a contact form on our website. We do free consultations with anyone. Everyone's like, I'm not sure if these ayahuasca is for me, but I'm interested. I'm intrigued. We're more than happy to jump on a Zoom call with you or WhatsApp call or whatever it is that you prefer and, and talk to you more about that. And then for all of you that are out there and just like, whoa, I don't want to go to Peru. That's so far away. Like I thought everything was here and now. And we're like, well, it is here and now, and we can work with you online as well. So we have all of our different online programs. We have uh, channeling sessions, uh, intuitive readings, trauma healing sessions, intuitive mentorship, which really is a different access point to you recognizing the truth of who you are. So whatever you feel is like excited, it's like, okay, I'm excited about doing Jamie's intuitive mentorship course. So I'm excited about getting an intuitive reading with Jamie or, or for some of you that are like a little bit more like me, like I'm excited about facing all my trauma. You can kind of like book a session with me and whatever that is, we'll take you through the, the entrance point is just an entrance point. It's the same path. Absolutely. It just depends where you want to get onto it and trust that excitement, follow that excitement. And we're just really happy to help people who really want to activate their intuition, empower their healing, connect with plants, embody their truth. We really just, we, we market ourselves and we come up with the phrase of what we thought, who's our ideal client. And we look for dedicated inner truth seekers. We look forward to working with people who are dedicated to discovering the truth of who they are mm-hmm. and, and are not phased by going on that journey because it's like, okay, it's tough. It's exciting. It's magical. It's miserable. It's everything. <laughs> But like, we absolutely passionate about helping people and we've been through it ourselves. We continue to go through it yes. pretty much every day. Yep. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening. You're a, <laughs> you're a wonderful couple and I will promote you. There's, there's a few people that you'll probably get contacted. There's a lot of uh, groups that watch this. So uh, one last question, because you, you, you mentioned Peru and you talked about um, uh, Nicole cutting out her caffeine 
which is going to be a tough go, but, and I have the caffeine thing too, but um, another group that we've, we've dealt with, I don't know if you've dealt with them. I just want to ask, and that's a, a group called Mission Rama, which started in Peru in 1974. Uh, they're interacting with um, beings from, I can't remember which star system or whatever, but they're all around the world now. Very interesting. I actually got a, a message from one of the beings at one, at one point, I go, that's pretty cool. You know, they, they got a message from me and they, they do a lot of, they do a lot of stuff at Mount Shasta. They're sort of famous for opening the, what they call um, uh, Zendras, these sort of portals where the, the beings come through and they, 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 the group raises the vibration and you can have groups of 150 or 200 people and everybody's oming and meditating. And then this thing will open up and the beings come and it's very fascinating. So I just wanted to see if you had run into these guys. And if you, if you haven't, make sure if you hear about uh, the Mission Rama groups in, in Peru that you interact with them, because they, I think they've got some insights that, that are very helpful. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that sounds cool. like loads of fun. I, I don't think we've crossed paths with them yet, but we'll definitely check it out. Yeah, um, for sure. Sounds similar to sort of like CE5 contact and conscious contact with other beings. And uh, yeah, they kind of started it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah, the first. <laughs> I love everybody that I meet through Mission Rama. They are like the happiest incarnated souls on this planet it's just like they ooze this joy and spread it and i think that's part of their collective mission you know that they decided upon it's just so wonderful you two have that same vibe the vibration there the midwest girl is bringing out the lingo but yeah it's just wonderful <laughs> it comes across well talking about the online side of this you can feel it online you know i i chatted with a group of us experiencers last night and had that buzz of it all for the next four or five hours. And it does, it reaches people, whether you're sitting there with you in Peru or across the Wi-Fi airwaves here, like you can sense it from the consciousness, the veil, is that how you called it? You know, it is there. You just have to tune into it. So thank you, folks. Thank you. I hope we can talk again soon. This has been an absolute pleasure, you guys. Thank you so much. Yeah, Nicole Grant. Great questions. Thanks for holding such a beautiful, entertaining and loving and <laughs> multidimensional space for us to just share. And yeah, you, you, you two are absolutely wonderful. Really, really thank you so much for the work that you do and mm -hmm. the conversations that you bring and all the work and the research and you just putting your hearts out there. It's just like, thanks so much. Really, really absolute pleasure. Thank you. Beautiful. And uh, thank you for, for what you do. And I'm going to promote um, as much as I can, because I think you have an, an important uh, role in the world. So uh, thanks for stopping by and I will be in touch with you uh, about maybe a session. Oh, great. We're going to Peru. <laughs> there <we> go. <laughs> all right. Okay. Thanks you all. Have, have a good day. Guys. Thank you. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye.